and welcome back to Real Clear with Dr. Klein, the crossroads of politics and psychology. If you would like to listen to ad-free episodes and have access to daily and weekly releases, essays, and other membership perks, and you also want to help in the production of this program, go to realclearpodcast.com and click subscribe. There are a lot of places in this world where you can put your money, and so I thank you for considering membership to realclearpodcast.com. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Welcome back to Thinking Kind with Lucas Klein. I'm your host. This is the fourth episode of the Thinking Kind podcast. As always, click subscribe or click that follow tab in whatever podcast app you're using and share it with a friend or post to one of your social media accounts. Thanks. This episode is entitled Social Justice Trauma. Trauma is broadly defined as overwhelming emotional experience. It is a mark on and in ourselves as being hurt, sometimes irreparably. Trauma is the way we kill each other, abuse one another, and even torture ourselves. Trauma is an act or even an event between the self and the world, or it is the experience of those things. It is also experienced in memory, as is much of human life. Do we experience directly, or is experience remembering something that has just happened? If we could all point to one thing that could perhaps be identified as a primal ground for many of the social problems in the United States at present, it doesn't seem too controversial to imagine that most people would exclaim or inwardly admit slavery and racism as that origin point. The trauma of slavery on the black community is hard to overstate. The injury to the self and to the collective identity of those generations and their descendants requires no explication here. For the slave generations and for the subsequent generations, the degree of demoralization, challenge to mobility, and the endurance of ubiquitous, harsh oppression and hate must be unbearable. There are trends that can be identified in the psychological reaction to trauma. In my clinical practice, people need help with many ways that trauma has affected them. It is important to reestablish the use of memory, to integrate memory into being again, to expand the methods of dealing with distress beyond denial and splitting. The area of study and practice around treating traumatic stress is complex. Trauma is more embedded in existence, by the way, than we tend to think. I am not here in referring to what we have come to call PTSD. In fact, I think that term is unfortunate because it suggests that there is a post-trauma as if one can distinctly move on from what has been and decontextualize or remove history. We've had a national dialogue for some time on the hallmark signs of the far right and how it reacts to an acknowledgement or non-acknowledgement of slavery and racism. We don't quite have the same ability to talk about left-wing reactions to racism and slavery. 
That's why I'm focusing more on the left side of the country. The hard left may be falling more prey to the unconscious hope or fantasy that trauma can be fully repaired more than any other group these days. I have begun to think that the social justice movements have been in part representative of a collective difficulty to deal with acknowledgement of the traumas of slavery, Jim Crow, and the disparities that those fracture lines have caused. One reason this has happened has had to do with the increasing relationality and connection between communities of color and white communities. This was really, uh, according to survey data, doing well in the early to mid-2000s. This also likely made it difficult for many Americans to have to stare headfirst into the stark reality that there are enormous levels of inequality. For instance, I don't have these numbers in front of me, but I think I remember them accurately, that the average uh, black family has a net worth of somewhere around $10,000. And for whites, that number is somewhere around $150,000. It is one thing to know that figure abstractly, say, in a time long ago, where there may have been less familiarity, intimacy, and integration on a real communal level. But it's another thing to know that with real connection and to look at the reflection back to you in the human experience of those who are connected to you. And this unease may be just the reason that so many liberal and left-wing whites now seem so flagrantly aggressive or enforcing of social justice. An example of this, or a vanguard example, could be Robin DiAngelo's book, White Fragility where those who want to jump to solutions regarding racism are essentially scolded for not wanting to do the work, wanting to kind of leap over their own racism. The work, in her eyes, seems to me to be a somewhat exhibitionistic, moderate self-flagellation. I say moderate because she warns not to be too demonstrative with your self-review, lest you make the discussion about you. A major irony for uh, D'Angelo's book is that she advises white America not to jump to solving racism, but she basically proceeds to do just that. The shtick is that if you follow her wise counsel, you will do the work of processing your own racism. And if everyone does this, uh, we'll be on the right track. Despite claiming to deny such a position, This is essentially saying we can solve the scars of slavery and racism. This approach is turning away from the actual generational traumas of bigotry. It is very hard to acknowledge that sometimes trauma produces situations and tragedies that are not subject to such conscious solutions. If anyone wants to read a very hard-hitting review of White Fragility, by the way, John McWhorter, someone I very much respect, is a black professor of linguistics at Columbia University. He's also a contributing writer at The Atlantic, and he wrote a piece in The Atlantic entitled The Dehumanizing Condescension of of White Fragility, that is. It's worth a read. It's not entirely in the direction of what I'm discussing in this episode, but it's valuable. An entire faction of the field of psychoanalysis, my field, 
deals with emotional dwelling with trauma patients because it is so hard to stay in there and not turn away. Leaning into dialogue with someone does not require the listener to be beating on himself or herself or focusing on one's inner racism like an anti-racist Jedi master, uh, acknowledging things just so. I might say, by the way, that D'Angelo's steps of how to be so perfectly and moderately self-focused may represent a subtle form of self-aggrandizement. I don't say that in a demeaning way, and I think that our regulating defenses of the self emerge when we are feeling the most unsteady for sure. Turning away from the trauma of slavery and its repercussions may now be taking the form of the social justice movement. In the context of my framework here, social justice movements can be seen as saying the following. Slavery and our racist past, and to some extent present, can be fixed and we know just what to do. Here are the acknowledgments for all white people to make to cleanse themselves. When these things are done and equity outcomes are righted, we will live in a just world, free from that trauma. Perhaps this could be extended to also say, I don't always have to feel this kind of guilt and shame. I won't have to experience those feelings at the magnitude that I currently do. I think another reason that we have seen the mass social justice movements become pretty hard-lined and often somewhat odd is that when you consider the uh, historical nature or even hysterical nature of many cancellation instances, uh, these movements seem to indicate that there is an unconscious co-opting of uh, becoming identified with the aggressor. That is, people who have undergone relational trauma end up unwittingly acting towards others in just the same way that characterized their own assailant. And make no mistake about it, slavery and racism are a relational trauma between white and black communities, and to some extent, left and right communities. Or at least those uh, issues of contention are now being hashed out along the lines of right and left. I say that these are relational traumas because trauma tends to destroy time in its linear form. To refer to the legendary Robert Stollero, a psychoanalyst and philosopher who has had an immense impact on me and many others, trauma becomes circular uh, with regard to time. If anyone would like to um, reference uh, or, or find sources for what I'm referring to as the odd nature of the social justice movements at time, you might um, uh, YouTube uh, Brett Weinstein and Evergreen College. What happened to him up there uh, was really, uh, it was profound to watch, I'll say that. And then there are other examples. To make matters more complicated, the tribal remnants of the far right continue to lob sadistic bombs over the tacit boundaries of civility. That is just what happened in the election of one Donald John Trump. Some people had their own defensible reasons for voting for Trump. But it's not a secret that a large part of, shall we say, the rural tier of white America, to put it politely, became incredibly bold and visible. 
this display at least looked like the rising of the people who, at least by appearance, would have been seen by many to be the vestigial representatives of a racist American past. This appearance elicited an equally tribal reaction in the unconsciousness of the left wing and perhaps uh, the communities of color in the country. The result is that we now have social warfare and the rest of us are standing around drinking Starbucks tweeting about it. The left side of the country certainly saw a right wing emerge with whom they no longer felt they could reason. And if reason is no longer necessary, why use it? Think about that for a second. If reason is no longer seen to have utility, why deploy it? Perhaps this is why much of the social justice movements have refused to incorporate things like police statistics, many of which are inconvenient for their narratives. I've been scratching my head about that one. I haven't quite understood why, if there are statistics regarding police behaving well, that you wouldn't want to embrace that. It seems like a good thing. A related trauma has been, and I'll say this in conclusion, that left-wing America and right-wing America now believe that reason is useless if attempted with one another. That's a very large topic for another time. For now, thanks so much for tuning in. A quick note, if you liked what you heard, you can go to patreon.com and enter Thinking Kind and become a subscriber. Take good care. See you next time.